Well, good morning to everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. Also, welcome to the Work Release Program, our campus out there, and people worshiping with you guys uh, this morning. So, a couple things before we get started. So, an idea behind, you know, BBS, what's going on. So, a couple things, you know, we, we see the kids, you see all the, in, the incredible things that are happening up here, the amount of kids that came. But the other amazing thing is the amount of volunteers it took to be able to get it done um, because they're just watching this week of how many people were involved and the coordination and the opportunities to see kids get an opportunity to not only love Jesus and understand who Jesus is, but to get to know other people, right? That's the whole uh, part of it. So thank you to all of the volunteers that were a part of uh, doing that. We can just give them a quick round of applause. Thank you. So the... Other part of it is, is that, you know, you've heard us say this for a really long time, and we're trying to do the best we can to support all of these things, which is we believe that children, given the right direction, are the opportunity for the foundation of our future, right? Not just the future of growing a church, but the future of changing a world, right? And so we're doing everything we can to try to figure out how to get us positioned in a place where we can be there to have the most in, must influence as possible, um, because that's what we want to do as a church and as an organization and as the people that are here, so we're trying to do that. Um, we're also trying to give opportunities for training for parents, um, because that's the other thing, and we're going to talk about that today. You know, being a parent is difficult, right? So if, you're, if you haven't had any kids yet, you know, it's, it's awesome and crazy at the same time, right, being able to raise kids. But we're going to try to give tools and opportunities for you to be able to, as a parent, do the best we can, not to just survive, but to thrive, right? That's the important part, because in raising kids, sometimes it feels like you're just trying to survive. No parent ever had that feeling? Like, I just want to make it to the end of the day. I just want to make it so that they don't you know, either end up breaking something, end up in the principal's office, or end up in jail, right? Like, if we can just avoid all of those things, we'd be in good shape. But we want to try to teach something different. Like, what would it be like to thrive? What would it be like to raise a generation of believers that aren't going to walk away from the church, but they're going to empower the church? They're not going to walk away from faith, but they're going to build faith. They're not going to walk away from their friends, but they're going to invite their friends. Like, what would that look like uh, for us to be able to do that. So we're going to be talking through those things today. But as parents, you need a plan. Like it just doesn't happen naturally, right? We know this. Because unfortunately, this is what we see generationally. Like lots of kids, fewer youth, fewer youth, fewer college kids, and a missing generation from the church, right? And part of that reason is as parents, we go into it and I'm not sure we always have a plan. Like, what are we going to do, and how can we be supported, and how can we move into those directions? So I'm going to mention this at the end, but after today's service, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for a parenting class, so if you're a parent out there. Um, and again, signing up for a parenting class is just like signing up for a marriage class. It doesn't mean your marriage is falling apart or your kids are crazy, right? It just means I want to work on it, right? <laughs> like, I want to work on it. I want to try to figure out how to do better, right? Just like we work on our craft on anything that we do, we should work on our craft when it comes to raising children and how we can be a part of, you know, getting better at that. And that's all part of our Grow Night. You'll be hearing that talked about week after week for the next four or five weeks. Uh, Grow Night coming up on October the, or August the 16th. So we'd love for you, if you're a parent and you want to get involved, we'd love for you to sign up. If you're somebody in, in the church too, 
um, that wants to help mentor parents, because this is the other thing that we're pushing for with Grow Night. One of the things that we know is, is that it takes a lot of people helping each other to be able to get this done, right? And we need to be able to have connections with other people. So even if you're a parent and your kids are maybe older, would you think about coming into the class just to get to know some parents with younger children so you can help them, right? So you can mentor them, so you can walk them through the journey. Because we all know this as older people who don't have younger parents, we have more resources, more time, and more sanity usually than you know, kids that are raising small kids, right? We know we have that opportunity. So here's what we're going to do today. So we're going to talk about parenting and family. So if you are somebody in here, be like, oh, bad Sunday to come. I don't have any more kids. You know, it's, I'm, I'm out of that stage. Here's what I would encourage you to do, right? So we talked about this a long time ago, that older women are to be training younger women, right? Like the idea of We need to have some knowledge so that we can go back and be able to take that knowledge and be able to give it. So if you're older, if you're a grandma and you're a grandpa, um, or if you're just older and your kids are grown up, an opportunity for you to go back and be able to train. So these are tools, right, that you could use um, in that. Tools that you could help your own kids, right? Like, you know, our kids uh, need help, and whether they'll admit it or not, we can help them, you know, put together a plan. If you're somebody who is younger, you're a young adult, right now, and you don't have kids yet, you might even just be single and not thinking about being married yet, but let me tell you, better to have a plan, better to have a strategy, better to have thought through some of these things till you pop the first one out, right? (laughs) Because once that happens, it is game on, right? Like, once that happens, it's not like, let's take some time to think about how to raise these, you know, like, you have to have something going into it, and I would even say as a young person, you know, these, these are questions that you would ask of your further husband or future husband, or you would ask of your future wife. Like these ideas, are you going to be on the same page together on how you want to someday be able to raise children? Are we good? All right, so it's a lot of different scripture this week, something we don't normally do, but we're going to be skipping around. Um, so you can follow along in your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. I would suggest taking notes, and then after you take your notes, you can go back, because uh, we're going to be flipping through them pretty quick. So the first scripture we're going to be looking at, Psalms 127, 3 through 5, and this is what we're going to be looking at. Whether you're going to be a parent that's going to endure, or a parent that's going to be able to thrive, and we're going to try to give you some tools today so that you can thrive inside of parenting and thrive inside of raising your kids uh, in these environments. So Psalms 127, 3 through 5, this is the message translation, so I hardly ever use that, but I felt like the way that the message uh, portrayed this scripture was a great way for us to start. Here's what it says. Don't you see that children are God's best gift? The fruit of the womb and his generous legacy, like a warrior's fistful of arrows, are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off the doorsteps. We want to start with this. Children are a gift, right? And we need to remember that because I think, not that I think, statistics are showing this generationally, the idea of why we have children, why it's important to have children, and what we should do with them, those children has significantly changed. I want you to think about this. Since 1970 to today, 40, it's went down 40% 
on the number of couples having children. 40% since 1970. People having kids, one or more, now down 40%. Parents that are choosing not to have children at all. Why? Did you ever think about that? Like, why would it be that we would see more and more young people put off having children? Right? Like, that's moved, right? It's moved a little bit, people putting off having children, and we can debate whether that's wise, not wise. Like, we can have all of those discussions. But I think there's a deeper issue, you know? I think if you look at it uh, from the standpoint of if you have a choice and you can have children, I think the choice of not having children is a decision because we selfishly want to do everything we want to do. We don't see our lives as we are sons and daughters of the king to raise an army for the king. Like, I, don't, I think we miss that. Like, I think we miss this idea that our responsibility as people on this earth is to take the influence that we have and raise an army of believers. Now, I want you to think about this. Where else do you have a captive audience like your home? Right or wrong, right? Like, where else do you have an opportunity or an influence other than your home? An opportunity to be able to do things that you would never be able to do outside in the world. And, and again, this scripture would say, here's how you need to look at it. Children, although as we see them as a gift, and sometimes you wonder if they're a gift, right? You know, but... We know that they are a gift and they're from God. He says, here's the thing that you need to understand. If you do this right, right, if you get the training right, if we work through this right, and again, we're gonna talk about this. There's some other variables and this isn't always a perfect science, but here's what he says. Raise your children in a home. Train them up to know Jesus Christ and it's like a quiver full of arrows against the enemy. Think about that. Like your children raised up generationally to serve the Lord or like a quiver of arrows. And it just says the enemy will be sweeped right off your doorstep. Why? Because you took, you now multiplied yourself. Now you were one believer and you multiplied yourself into two, three, four, five children, right? Now there's a debate today that would talk about this idea, well, we can't have kids and what do we do about not being able to have kids? And I, I get that that's a real reality, but the other thing you need to think about, 20,000 children a year, 20,000 children a year age out of foster care. So it's not that children are not available. There is no like, well, we can't have kids, so because we can't have kids, we're just gonna go down that. And again, I know there's a lot of hurt and stuff that goes with it, but just from the facts, 20,000 kids looking for mom and dads, right? Looking for opportunities that age out of a foster care system. So there are opportunities for us to look at this thing as um, a chance to raise up our gift given to us by God. Because here's the other thing we need to emphasize. Your children are not your children. God gave them to you, and our responsibility is to give them back. Raise them up, train them up. They're a steward, right? We're supposed to steward our children, give them back over to God so that they can then go out into the world and change the world. So, Starts with that, foundationally. Kids are a gift, and we need to look at children as an opportunity to train them up, not just to get them through, not just to keep them safe, not just to try to get them to go through high school and get a degree, but we're trying to raise them up as warriors for God. So that needs to be the foundation of the plan. But here's what you have to decide, right? What's the center of your life? So if you're a parent, this is difficult, right? So as a parent, 
The center tends to be whatever the latest crisis is. Anybody? Right? Like, whatever the latest crisis is, whatever's the busiest thing, all of a sudden that becomes the center of your life. And we understand how it works, right? Just like the universe. So there is a center, and everything else orbits around it. Right? There's this gravitational pull that always goes to the center. So whatever your center is, parents, grandparents, anybody that has influence on children, whatever your center is, you will naturally pull kids into that center. Right? You will naturally pull people into it. And the problem is, if you don't have a plan, right? because I think that this is a given, we're in church today, right? so I think you would see this as a given, what should be the center of every single parent's life? God, right? Like the center of our life should be God. But let's be realistic. How hard is that when you're raising kids? Anybody? Like the parents that are out there that were out that have raised kids? Is it not difficult at times to keep God at the center because chaos tends to ensue and if you don't have a plan, you just focus on whatever's chaotic and then everything else circles around it. So we gotta be able to have a plan, we gotta be able to determine what the center is and we gotta be able to have that and be able to execute that plan. So this is Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. It gives us this concept. How do you start developing a plan? What should be important for you? What are the things that you should start thinking about. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. So he's telling you, you know why you should read Proverbs every single day? You know, Proverbs is 31, you know, chapters, and the reason you should get up every day, whatever day of the week it is, you should read a proverb, and you should do that for the rest of your life, because it'll help you gain wisdom, right? It takes Proverbs is a book that takes truths and makes them applicable. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's not just this theory. It's like, here's a thing. Here's how it applies. Here's a thing. Here's the outcome if you don't do it. Here's a thing. Here's the way that you need to do it. So I always tell people, read a proverb a day. If you want to start somewhere in the Bible, it's a great place to start. It says, for receiving instructions in prudent behavior and doing what is right, just, and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. This is how to get the center. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's a couple things to put into your toolbox. For your kids, for your grandkids, whatever influence that you have, they are to a certain extent a blank slate. What they do and how they do it is taught by somebody, right? Like everything that happens in your life, in your child's life, is usually a taught behavior. Is that fair to say, right? Like, from somebody, don't, don't get me wrong, like somebody had influence on them and because of their influence, then they tended to act or do based upon what they have been taught or what they have seen. So they act out what they're seeing or what they've been taught. So when we see kids are like, why do they act that way? You know, I'll never forget. My mom said to Sherry after Brady was born, she's like, Mike, you deserve a boy like this, but Sherry, I feel sorry for you, right? <laughs> Because how we act, the things that we do, right, tend to come from part of our DNA, right? Like they see how we act, they see how we respond. We look at our kids sometimes and 
What's wrong with that idiot? Why are they acting that way? Because you were an idiot. Anybody? Come on, right? Like, I can't understand why they're so getting so mad. Like, I, my kids are pretty competitive, right? And so I'm like, I can't understand why, why can't they just be okay? You know, why do they have to get so mad? Why do they have to throw their helmet? Why do they have to kick stuff? I'm like, I still like to win. I mean, there's still this thing. Like, they learn these things from you. Kids are taught things that come from us, so we have to take responsibility, right? You need to start with this. As we look at raising kids or as you look at having influence on kids, as you look at volunteering with kids, you have a chance to teach them something that could change the rest of their life. And here's what I want to tell you. If you choose not to, somebody will. If you choose not to be the teacher, if you choose to allow outside influence to come in, if you choose to have no influence in the life of your kids, which tends to be maybe the day that we're living in today, like there's really no time and we let everybody else raise our children. Maybe, right? Like we let all that, somebody is going to teach them something and that's gonna come out someday. So we have to understand that we have to be the teachers. We have to be the ones that are influencers. We have to be the one to take the opportunities for that. Here's the other thing is what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? This is really important. What's the difference? Because we live in a world that teaches a lot of knowledge and very little wisdom, right? We are an information-driven society. You look it up. You can, you can find any amount of information. In fact, we tell our children, and it carries over. We teach our children, read your Bible, Read your Bible. We teach our church. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. But you know what the problem is? They read their Bible and they have no idea what to do with it. Anybody ever been there? Like, I read it. What do you do with this? Like, how do you, how do you make this work into my life, right? So we as parents or we as people who are trying to have influence on young people, we need to understand something. We can't just teach them knowledge. We have to give them wisdom, which means we have to walk a journey with them and teach them how to take this truth and put it into action. And just so you know, they're watching you as the main instructor to see how you take truth and how you put it into action. You want to know why it's hard for a world to see or to understand why the Bible is real? Because we don't live as it's real. Right? Right? Like, it's hard because we read, and, and it's a lot of theory, right? That's, what, that's part of the problem with young people today. The Bible's theory, how do we know that it's true? Well, it's not theory. I want, to see, I want you to see it in practicality. This is a truth, I lived it out. This is what happened. This is a truth, I lived it out. This is what happened. And you need to have those conversations with your kids. Let me tell you a principle. Like, how many times you're sitting around the table and you have this discussion? This is what Scripture says. This is what I chose to do. This is the outcome. Right? Like, this is the, this is, you read about this story, right? Let me teach you something. You, you know, you guys have read Jonah and the whale a thousand times, right? And he ends up in the belly of the fish and it's all cool because he gets spit out and Jonah's good, but you teach your kids. You know what the main principle was? You know why he ended up in the belly of a whale? Because he chose not to reach his friends, he chose not to reach people, he chose to run away from the calling of God. You want to end up in the belly of a whale? You want to end up not understanding the purpose in your life? Run away from young people. Listen to me. You know what your calling is? Your calling is to reach your friends. It's not your parents' job. 
It's not your youth leader's job. It's not somebody else's job. Your responsibility is to reach your friends. If you, don't, if you do not follow your calling, you will wander. You want to, here's another example. Here, here's the nation of Israel who rescued out, went through the Red Sea, delivered, given food, wandered in a wilderness because they didn't trust God. You know what happens when you don't trust God, young people? You know what happens when you learn not to trust God? You're going to wander. It's not you're going to die. You're just going to wander aimlessly through your life and you're not going to get anything done. And you're going to die a wanderer. Do you want to be a wanderer? Right? Like, and, and for them, they're saying, okay, how does that work? How can I help you? Like, this is what we should do. You want to put it into practice? This is how we should put it into practice. So we're telling our kids, you know what you need to do? You need to reach your friends. Okay? And so they're like, I don't know how to reach my friends. I'm like, like it's easy. I'm going to open up my house. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up my house. You're going to invite all of your friends over, and I'm going to teach them. I'm going to feed them, and I'm going to teach them, and I'm going to show them that I love them. That's what I'm going to do, right? How hard is that? How hard is it to say, I want to teach my children to reach their friends, so I'm going to give them an environment to do it. So here's my home. You guys come over. We're just going to open up our home. We're going to show them what it looks like for parents to love each other, kids to love each other, and we're going to take an opportunity for you to teach you. If you invite them, we'll teach them. But we're going to teach you to invite Right? We can't just say, you know what you should do? You should invite your friends. You know what you should do? You should care about your friend's salvation. Now, I'm not going to do anything about it, but good luck out there in this world. Tell me that's not happening today. Tell me that's not parents are so concerned with who their kids hang out with. You know what I would tell you to do? Change the friends. Not get rid of them. Change their heart. Reach them for Jesus. It might get ugly in your home. Like they might come for Bible study and end up doing something else. I mean, this is a real reality. Like these things happen, but it's okay, right? We're not here to control every environment. We're here to give opportunities, right? We can't make sure everything turns out okay. It's just about opportunity. So we gotta be able to show them what that looks like. Wisdom is the opportunity to apply truth. So we gotta see the difference in that. Another part of your plan. But now, here's the thing. How do we determine, because this is going to be key, how do you determine what your center is, right? So if you're out there today and you're like, I wonder if, if God is my center, I'm going to give you a little principle that you could see. So if you want to know, this is an exercise that you could do. What you need to do is you need to look at how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you spend your resources, how you, how you take advantage of the opportunities that you have. We all have discretional things. Is this true? We all have to work, so don't get me wrong. We all have to go to work every single day. That's not real discretional. Like, you need to show up. You have to go to work. We all have discretional time. We all have discretional money. We all have discretional resources. True? But things are opportunities that we can do. So the, the idea is, if you want to understand if God's in the center, start looking at what do you do with discretional things, right? Because here's what will happen. If one thing is the center, the priority of your life will be the other. Does that make sense? So think about this for a second. If school is the center, right? So if you're growing up in a home or you're a parent where you're like, school is the center. And so don't get me wrong, for all of you teachers, don't hate me. I'm not, kids should go to school and love school. But if school is the center, what's the priority at home? So when you talk to your kids, if school is the center, what's the priority? What do you check on? Their grades, right? Not to say that you shouldn't check on their grades, Right, so every parent should keep track of their grades. But here's my question. 
for the amount of time that you check their grades, how much have you checked their journey in their spiritual life? How many times have you sat down with them and say, how are you doing in your journey with God? Because we can sit down and come up with a plan when that little sucker's got an F. Parents, if that sucker's got an F or a D, it's like, we're getting a plan, and you're not going to do, and you're not going to go, and I'm going to take your whole life away, and your phone away, and everything away. You can't get an F. They're going to hell, and you're not doing nothing. Nothing. You're not checking in. You're not asking about. You're not digging into we, if the center is God, the priority is their spiritual journey. Yes, they should get good grades. Yes, they should get out. Because everything I'm going to say today, don't take it as I don't think it's good. We checked on our kids' grades. We tried to keep them from flunking classes. You know, we went through all those things. But the same concept, right? It's just things to think about. Sports, leisure activity. So if the center of your life is sports or leisure, right? Like, the, the priority of your life, and I say it's going to be winning, but I'll, I'll give you some examples, happens in different ways, because you think about this. And I'm saying this about my own kids, too. So when I was raising my kids, and we were struggling trying to find the center, and you want your kids to be good in sports? Any other parent wanted their kid to be good in sports? So I wanted my kids to be good in sports, and so I invested, any other parent? Invested, not only a lot of time, which was good time, out in the backyard, you know, throwing the ball, doing all the stuff, and then you get to the place where, you know, you want, to, you want them to hit some dingers, right, if you're a baseball guy. So you get them that DeMarini bat. Who spends $500 on a stupid bat? Me. <laughs> Me, right? Like, isn't this, am I going down the right road? Like, if the center is, then the priorities become, and we do, like, it's fair season, Right, fair season's coming up. I love animals. <laughs> I love eating at the 4-H fair, right? Like, I love that whole concept, but listen to me. Do you, <laughs> have you ever seen how much time and effort it takes to do that? Not that it's wrong, not that it's good, not that you can't have family. I agree with all of that, right? Like, you should do. Like, you should, but think about this for a second. When you, when you talk about like kids and priorities and you know, we're going we're gonna to put all this time in because nothing wrong with doing 4-H and nothing wrong with doing travel athletics, nothing wrong with doing all that. But what it, what, how much investment do you put in your kids reaching other kids when it comes to time and money? Like I see this all the time when churches take kids on, fundraise, on uh, youth trips somewhere. And they're always like, we need to do fundraisers. I'm like, what? What do you mean we need to do fundraisers? I know most of these parents. They don't have any problem spending money on bats and pigs and cows and everything else, but they ain't going to spend any money for their kid to go serve somebody? Are we nutty? Like, are we nutty? Right? Not, not that it's wrong. We should do. We should be a part of. You can do all these things. But when the center is off, the gravitational pull is off, our priorities get off, and then when it comes to the things that matter, investing into their eternity... We miss it completely because we're so focused on we don't have time to invest into anything else because right now, this is our investment. True? Right? Think about this. If your center is money, I talked to Sarah about this one. I'm like, 
You want to talk about conviction? So you know what happens when, when the center of your life is money? You know what your priority is? Work. Come on, guys. Give me a little support. Anybody else here, right? Like, I don't want the center of my life to be money, but why is it that I can't stop working so much? Right? Like, why is it that I can't stop putting in way more hours and being absent and not being where I'm supposed to be? Why? Well, I can lie to myself and be like, well, I mean, things just have to get done. No, no, that's really not true. The truth is, my center gets shifted from the priorities of my life. And when I am absent from the home and I don't have an opportunity to influence my children, my only excuse can be, well, I guess what's more important to me right now is money than my children. Is that one, right? Like, those are the things, that, that's the way it gets, I, that's the way I think that it gets. But you can see where I'm going with this, right? So how is it that you determine what your center is? And, re, and just be reminded, this is a constant progress. You're going to have to work on this all the time. Parents, right? Grandparents, reminding. You're going to have to work on this all the time. You're not going to just naturally wake up today, you know, tomorrow and be like, you know, I heard a message, and this message was about getting the center life of my right, getting God in the center of my life, and so I'm just going to change everything. That ain't going to happen, right? You're going to have to work on this. You're going to have to process this. You're going to have to change things in your life. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to transform some things. Like, things are going to have to be different because it doesn't naturally happen, but We're going to keep talking about this. Remember, kids are watching. If the center of your life is something other than God, you are teaching your children that that's okay. Are we, do we think that's right? Do we think that's off? Because how does a child know? Like, you ever wonder that? Like, we're only like, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that my, my kids would know what the center of my life is. <laughs> when dad's not home, anybody? When dad's not home, there ain't no kid being like, I'm so glad dad never comes home. There ain't no kid sitting there like, I'm so thankful that my father's never around. You know, there's no kid that when the priority of our life is this and we are never at church or we're never in, you know, youth group or we're never participating in missions, there's no kid they're like, wow, you guys are really teaching me that God's way more important. No kid is doing that. That kid's looking at it saying, you, you, maybe I'm the center. You've just taught me I'm the center. Like, they get it. You don't have to tell them any of those things. They're just going to understand it by the way that you act. And here's what you're going to know. They're going to replicate most of the times the things that you do. Right? Right or wrong. This can be in a good way, too. But they're going to replicate it. They're going to watch dad. They want to grow up like dad. They want to grow up like mom. They want to be like them. Isn't that cool? Even when we suck. Isn't that funny? The kids still want to be like us, even though we're not that good, right? So just understand your influence is so important. So you got to be able to get those things right. So we got to be able to understand uh, what that looks like. So in those centers, 
the next thing we need to do is how do we get a, a plan to keep God in the center, right? So how do we get to that place? So I'm going to give you some things that you need to do or you need to train your kids to be able to do. Where do they go for wisdom? So think about this. We're, we want them to have wisdom, which is the application of truth and then being able to put it into action. You need to teach and train your kids how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, one of the, you know, how we teach and train kids a lot of other things? You need to teach them how do they hear the voice of God and how do they react, right? And I would ask this question to your kids on a regular basis. When you're sitting on the front porch, when you're sitting around the dinner table, what are you hearing from God? Because, you know, there isn't this divide. God doesn't wait to talk till you're old enough. In fact, I think sometimes he'd rather talk to the younger people than he would the older people. You know why? Because if they really believe it's God, they're like, I'm in, I'm in, right? We're kind of like, well, you know, I got, and there's too many things and a lot of priorities and things to go. Like one of the conversations you should have on a regular basis with your children, whether it's sitting on the front porch or whether it's sitting around a dinner table, whether it's sitting around while you're at a pig show, sitting around while you're at a cattle show, sitting around while you're at a baseball game is what is it that God's saying to you right now? What is it that he's speaking to you? And if your children say nothing. We can't be like, oh, okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Does God want to speak to your children? Does God want to speak to the children of America? Absolutely. The answer of, I don't know, I ain't really saying anything. Well, if he's not, then what's your plan for your child? What are you going to do? Right? Like, what, do you, what stirs up inside of them conversation. What is it that we need to be able to do? One of the things stirs up conversation, should stir up conversation, you should probably read the Bible. Look how many kids today are actively on a regular basis opening up their Bible. Because as adults, do we believe that the Bible is the living word of God and it's one of the ways that it speaks to you, but you're okay that your kids never read it? And I'm going to say something, so don't take this the wrong way. But you know why? They don't read it because you don't read it either. <laughs> Remember I said they'll kind of follow what you do. They'll watch what you do. They'll, they'll see you in your quiet time. They'll see you opening up your devotionals. They'll see you taking priority to do these things because, remember, kids are watching, right? And they, they need to see. So we would teach them, you need to open the Bible. God will speak to you and and they're like, well, I read the Bible, and it was completely confusing, and I have no idea. And i okay, you know what? I care enough about it. Guess what? Then let's read it together. How about that? If you're confused, I'm going to set aside a time, because here's what I believe. I believe, too, that there are times when you read the Bible, anybody else as an adult, that was confusing. Anybody else as an adult be like, this is why I don't read the Bible? Any adult? Like, this is why I don't read the Bible. Every time I open this sucker, none of it makes any sense, right? Like, finding tools, finding resources. There are Bibles out there. There are devotionals out there. There are things out there that you can help generate spiritual conversations with your kids. It can't be this like, oh, shoot, I hope someday God speaks to you. It should be a priority on your list to have the Holy Spirit speaking to your kids on a regular basis, and you need to find ways to do it. What about this? Like, I hope that this is a part of our life. You know, one of the things that God says is the most beautiful thing that we can do as believers is communicate to him through prayer. Like, have a conversation with him. Like, teaching 
ourselves that I want to have a conversation with my Lord and my Savior, and we should teach our kids. You want to have a conversation? Isn't it cool that you could have a conversation with the God of the universe that breathed everything into existence, and you can stand in front of him, and you can talk to him, and he can give you wisdom, and he can give you guidance, and he can keep you out of trouble, and he can put you on the right path, and he can change your life, and he can change the world. You want to talk to that guy? I mean, you want to talk to that guy? I don't know how to pray. Let's pray together then. How about that? How about let's pray together then? What do you want to pray about? What do you want to talk about? What, what's going to stir up in somebody? Right? Are you teaching your kids to pray by name for their friends who don't love Jesus yet? You want to have a conversation? Know this, young people. Your friends that don't know Jesus are spending eternity in hell. And you know what could change for them? You know how you could change eternity for them? Pray for them by name. Pray for him by name. Wake up every single day. Pray by name. Get with your mom. Get with your dad. Pray for them by, by name. This stirs up a relationship. This stirs up wisdom. We start seeing things. And, and again, I don't want to be too hard on you, but, but how many of us pray by name for those that are lost as adults? How many of us every day wake up and have this, not just in the morning, but this continual conversation with God like, I need your help. This was good. This was bad. I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do? What does it look like? Do we exhibit this constant thing, right? Do we teach our children? You know, our kids are good at this. They ask you a lot of questions of like, can I do, should I do, what should I do? And you know what we always usually say? Because this is usually where we act. Let me think about it. You know what I'd rather we say? Let me pray about it. Because I'm going to talk to the one who's going to help me make the decision. Not like some of those decisions you don't need to pray about, but there are a lot of decisions you should be praying about. There's a lot of decisions you should teach your kids. Like this is the way that we should go. We should pray through these things. Here's the other. Wise counsel, right? Are you teaching your children that they should seek wise counsel and wise counsel being this? This is what scripture tells us. Young people should seek older people to be in their life, to be able to have wise counsel from them. You know why they're wise? You know why older people are wiser than younger people? Because we made all the mistakes. Right? Like we did it. I've been down that road. I've been, been in those things. That's why we're wise. Not that we did it all right. Not that we got it all right. Not that we made all the greatest decisions. We just made a lot of decisions, right? We did a lot of things that gave us wisdom to be able to do that. And so we need to train our kids. You need to seek wise counsel. You need to be in relationship with your leaders. You need to be in relationship. Because here's what you're going to know. Your kids need more than you. And I want, I want you to hear this for just a second. So this is a, this is a charge to you as young people that are sitting in here. You need to seek and find somebody. I'm hoping you're in a small group right now, and I hope you have a small group leader that you could seek wisdom and counseling. Like, I'm hoping you're in that environment. Somebody that's been there, done that, further down the road, I hope you're in that environment and that you could seek counsel from that person. I hope as an adult in here, if you haven't created an environment where you can allow young people to come to you for wise counsel, then you need to change some things in your life. It's not an option. You need to be available. 
moms, older moms, older dads. You need to be available to younger moms, younger dads, and younger people, right? Like we need to have those places. Here's the other thing, experience. You gotta let your kids try. You gotta let them be like, I think I heard this from God. I'm like, you think you heard that from God? Go do it. Well, what if I fail? Who cares? You know what the greatest failure in your life is? This is what I tell my kids all the time. You know what the greatest failure in your life is? Doing nothing. I want you to do everything. You thought you heard that from God? How can I help you get it done? Well, what if it goes wrong? Well, I don't know. So what? Then we, that's experience, right? You'll go down a road. Give them an opportunity. They hear you equip. Allow them to have that experience. And kids, listen to me for, for a second. When your parents say to you, hey, because kids get mad about this sometimes. Hey, you see that? That's a person. You see them? Don't be like them. This is why, not being judgmental, I'm teaching you something. Decisions equal. Decisions equal. Decisions equal. It's not being judgmental. It's saying learn from the lives of other people. Because if you think, well, I'm not going to be like them. Yep, you are. If you make this decision, you will be like this. That's just the way that it works. It's not us being judgmental. It's not pointing out and being mean. It's just saying these decisions lead to these things, right? So parents, it's not being judgmental to use examples and say, here, look at this example. This person made this decision. This is where they ended up. Here's what I want you as a young person. I just want you to see it, not to be judgmental of this person, but I want you to see what decisions did this person make that led them to that place. Young people, listen to me. You need to listen. You need to listen, right? You don't take that counsel and just be like, oh, they're just being critical. Oh, they're just being judgmental. No, they're not just being judgmental and critical. They are trying to teach you something that this equals this. Anybody? Right, that that makes sense? Okay, so now, go into now the, the idea like some tips. So laying some foundations, we'll get into some tips here, some tips for training. So are you ready? Parents, if you want some tips on how to move this into, so we touch out and talk to God, get in the right foundation, understand that children are a gift, but here's some tips. Proverbs 21, or Proverbs 22, 6. Start children off on the right way. Uh, start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Really quickly, I want to make sure we all understand this. This is a principle and not a promise. In, a Bi- in the Bible, when God promises something, it always comes true. But I want to teach you this. This is a principle that we should teach our children. We should guide them. We should put them on the right path. But it doesn't always equal them coming back. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You gave them what they needed. You laid out the right path. You did the right things. Sometimes they just choose to go in a different direction Why? Free will. It's free will. It's nothing that you can do about it. Like, they are going off in that direction because they made a decision to go off in that direction. And here's the other thing that I want to put with that. How do we get them off in the right direction? Get it right yourself. Model it. Because it's more about what is caught than what is taught. Right? Did that make sense? Like, model it. Model devotions in your home. Model 
what the center of your life is. Make decisions so your kids can see. Show what the priority of your life is when it comes to which one are we gonna choose. Show what the priority of your life is. Do the things that they can look at and say, there is no doubt my mom and dad love the Lord. They love each other. They, they wanna teach me. They've created conversations with me. So, you know, part of the, the, the greatest tragedy of the phone today is not the tragedy that our kids are always on it, that we're always on it when our kids wanna talk to us that true for anybody right like you just get to the end of the day and you just want to you just want to disconnect anybody but you just want to go through you just want to do and they're coming up they're like hey and you're like what what right like you don't have any time like we need to model when your child needs you you need to be there you need to be intended you need to be ready here's the other thing we need to start dealing with the right thing we're going to end up with this, dealing for the, with the right thing. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything else flows from it. Quick thing. If we want to reach the, the heart of children, parents, listen to me for a second. You better get yours right. You cannot change the heart of a child if yours isn't in the right place. If, if you're not seeking the Lord, listening to the Lord, praying to the Lord, and you want the result to be different for your children, then do something different for you. Because I'm convinced you cannot give what you don't have. Right, I've always said this. You want to be able to love your husband and the way it deserves to be loved. You want to love your wife the way they should deserve to be loved. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and then you'll have something left to give your wife. If you try to love your wife without loving Jesus first, she only gets half of you. She'll never, she'll never be satisfied. This won't. Like, you can't give them what they need. You gotta be full first to give. It's the same with kids. We can't give our kids what we don't have, right? We have got to have it to be able to give it. So we need to get our hearts right. And as parents, one of the things we need to think about, don't always deal with the behavior, but start dealing with the heart. Because part of our problem is we focus so much on behavior and we forget, you know why they're acting out and you know why they're doing and you know why they're going. Like, do you know this? Parents, listen to me today. There is a war, and here's what Satan knows. Satan knows that if he can get the hearts of our children, generationally, he can destroy it one year at a time. Do you realize that right now, Satan is trying to get your children and you know where he goes? Here. It's where the attacks are happening. And so where should we be helping them? Should we be only focused on behavior? No, we should be focused on what it looks like to be able to help change their heart, right? And be able to help them move in that direction. So the worship team's gonna come back up. I'm gonna give you some last little tips, right? Some last little things to be able to write down put together and try to see if we can move this in the right direction. Parents are primary, okay? This will never change, and I have seen it, and, you know, I've raised, you know, some of my own kids and some of the kids that are not biological kids, but regardless of how children have been treated, they always want to go back to mom and dad. You know why? Because God knit something together inside of children that regardless of the way they've been treated, they still believe and have 
hope for that their father and their mother will be the greatest influence in their life. And if you're trying to give that away to daycare, if you're trying to give that away to teachers, if you're trying to give that away to youth leaders, if you're trying to give that away to churches, your kid will be incomplete without what you can give them. Right? You need to be able to give them. You're primary. Here's the other thing. You will reap what you sow. You know how I was talking about when we put the center, you know, in the wrong place? When your center's in the wrong place, guess what happens? Your children have wrong priorities when they grow up. It's just the way it is. When your center's off, the priorities of your children will be off because your center was off. Repetition is required. Discipline, love, and consistency. Discipline, love, and consistency. Discipline, love, and consistency. When the one of those is missing and you don't put those three together, kids, whether you like this or not, kids love discipline, right? Love and consistency. They want that in their life and they need those things. So repetition is important. Here's the other thing. Moms and dads, listen to me. Kids are smart. <laughs> you might have known this already. You need to get on the same page because a house divided will fall. A house divided will fall. Do you need to be on the same page? You know, when I talked about having a plan. Here's what you know about your kids. They're good at this. They know you. And when you're not on the same page, guess what happens? They play the parents against each other. Not a unified front. When it's not a unified front, kids know those things. And kids use those things to be able to get the things that they want. You as parents need to get together. And you can disagree behind closed doors. That happens sometimes in marriage. Anybody disagree about raising their children? Only me? <laughs> I mean, I have these disagreements of like, you want to do what? No, I'm doing this. You can have all those discussions behind the closed doors, but when you go out and you talk to your children, we're on the same page. This is what we're doing. These are our decisions. These are the whys behind. Because the other thing that we need to do, and I used to be really good at this, they'll be like, why can't I? You know what my answer always was? Because it said so. No other parent gave that. I'm just like repeating it. Because I said. I don't know why. Just because. Here's what I learned in raising kids. If you teach them the why, it changes their value systems. And when you're not there, they'll make the right decision. When you teach them a why. Right? What's the why behind? You know, I always said this. It's so weird. You know, sex is a topic. You know, this is the thing. And we're always like, don't have sex, and it's terrible, and this is why. And you know what happens when you have sex? You have babies, and you have disease, and you have, like, they just go through this. They paint out sex to be this horrible thing. No, sex is a great thing, right? It's a great thing. What you really need to teach them is, you know why you shouldn't have sex? It has nothing to do with babies, venereal diseases, getting married. It has everything to do with what it'll do to your heart. Everything to do with your heart. You know why you're going to make that decision? Because you know why over here that this is incomplete? Because they can figure out how to not have a baby now. I mean, there's plan B out there, take pills, be on the pill. do all. They can figure out how to not make babies. They can figure out how to not have diseases. They can figure out how to not do this. What you'll never figure out is what God said. When you have sex with multiple partners before you are married, something happens in here. Can God restore it? Can God change it? Yes, he can do all of those things, but it does do something. You know what we should teach our kids? The why. 
not just behave, but the why behind it. Now, here's my hope, here's my prayer. My hope and prayer is this, is that we as a church, right, would understand where we are on this journey. If you're a grandparent, if you're a parent, if you're somebody that's younger, and you need to see what is it that God wants me to do, because this is true, right? Our decisions in what we do at the stages that we're at have an impact on young people. What you do, how you choose to do, how you choose to be involved is going to have an impact on people. What's going to be your decision? What is it that God's telling you to do as a grandparent? What's he want you to do? What's he want you to do as a parent? What's he want you to do as a single person? What's he want you to do as a young person? Because this information pertains. This information goes together. And what I would ask is that when you leave this room, what is it? Do you need to sign up for the parenting class? Because you need to just get better at your craft? You know, do you want to go out? Do you want to try to, to get better? Do you see this as urgency? Do you need, you know, if you're a grandparent, you're at a different season in your life, because I've always said this, I have no idea why children's ministry struggles to have volunteers. Like, I've never understood this. Like, this is the generation of people that are going to change the world, and we don't have enough people. We're all the people, right? Like, where are all the people that would just say, I'm in, I'm in. I'm going to be there. I'm going to give my part. I'm going to give my wisdom as, because you remember what it was like as a young person and you had kids. The last thing you wanted to do was come to church and be with more kids. Because this is the problem. Like, you know, churches always go to teachers. They've been with these kids all day. Why don't you work in children's ministry? Like, oh my gosh, I've been with them all week, right? But look at all of us that are available, like our kids are at a different place and we could come back and we can give. And we're like, well, I don't know what to do with kids. Be present. That's all you need to be. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have every answer. You just have to be present. Your presence speaks volumes to a child. Right? What do we need to do? Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for the gift of children. We thank you for the gift of an opportunity to have influence in their life. Lord, we love that we can be change agents. We love that we can do things in helping them along in life. Lord, I pray that you convict us and move us into the places that we need to be with our children, with the children around there. We need to make a difference. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.